a lot of people when they've put in the effort to develop and, and build up a clientele in a storage unit, their, their asking price reflects that, right? A lot of times you can develop it for a fraction of that cost, especially if you're willing to put in the effort to, to get it from zero to full occupancy. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am Adam Adams and I'm with my host, my co-host, Jay Lou Lewis. What's up, Jason? Hey, buddy. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you too. And we are excited because Jeff Deering is on the other side of the mic, who is one of the, the founders and owners of Utah Ria. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and if correct. you're looking and searching for Jeff Deering and you're not finding it, it's not coming up, that's probably because you need to spell it like Geoff, right, Jeff? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> G-E-O-F-F. Perfect. Got well, a lot good. of flack as a kid for that. Yes, I can imagine. Jeff, tell us, take us all the way back to the very first deal you ever did. Let us know what was going through your mind. What year was it? Were you excited? Were you scared? And uh, what was the deal? So give it, take us back to that very first deal. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, wow. That was, it's been 18 years ago. Crazy. Uh, yeah. So the very first deal I was looking to get married, um, wanted to have a place to go and I didn't want to rent. I didn't want to pay rent. I was pretty adamant out of high school that I never wanted to pay anybody else money that I could make for myself. So, uh, once we got engaged and set a date, we had started looking at duplexes. Um, I then boss at the time referred me to a woman who was a new real estate agent who didn't really know what she was doing. Great lady, nice lady, but yeah, didn't, didn't know anything about residential or, or investment real estate. So I, I ended up <laughs> memorizing her code to get on the MLS so I could go late at night and search for properties because <laughs> she just wasn't getting it done. So I ended up actually finding a duplex that we liked and asked her to get the offer written up. And, and, and this is back in uh, July of 2002. And uh, we ended up getting the the offer. She had shown us maybe 10, 15 other places that weren't anywhere close to as good as a deal as this one. So, uh, I was, I was nervous. I mean, but by the time we did the duplex, it was house hacking before it was called house hacking, I guess. Uh, we ended up having a, a net payment about half of what we would have paid for a similar place in rent. So, and we were building equity. That's great. What what age were you at that time? You said you were just out of college? Oh, uh, 22. Okay, so very you were a freshly minted college grad at that time? No, I, I'd actually... So at 19, I went into a service mission for the LDS church. So from 19 to 21, I, I was a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I got back mid-2001 and... So by 2002, I was already getting into real estate. So Awesome. Jeff, I, I appreciate you saying how you kind of did the, the church aspect over maybe the college avenue. I know a lot of people say that you, you got to do college. Some people say don't go to college at all. So that's just a unique question. Maybe we, we don't very ask very often, but I'd love to get your kind of insight of how 
going the route you did, say out of high school, maybe benefited you in more of a creative way than than traditional quote routes? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I ended up actually getting a college degree eventually, but, uh, and, and I was actually in, in school when we purchased that property, but, uh, yeah, serving that, uh, mission definitely brought me out of my shell. I guess you could say in, in high school, I was extremely introverted and still so pretty much am. I'm not a very outgoing person naturally. So, anything I have learned has just been from that and from practice. <laughs> so I'd, going out and speaking to people door to door every day kind of forces you to, <laughs> to develop some, some skills to not be introverted. So. Yeah. I, I, I bet I figured that would be a, a definite benefit to that journey you took was that it, it, it had to help with being able to get out there and talk to people about real estate or, or asking people and getting out of your comfort zone that you might not have had to do if, if you went to say a traditional college and just went the normal, normal route. I hate to even use the word normal route because there is no normal. So it's just a different route. So right. um, that's great. And any kind of takeaways from you being out there door knocking that you've used over the years in the real estate that, that has helped you maybe get a deal or maybe you allowed you to get a little creative um, through the, the process you did out there during that time? Uh, yeah, somewhat. I mean, it, it definitely helped me to be, as I mentioned, more outgoing and, and uh, more comfortable speaking with people on the fly. I mean, calling people out of the blue and talking to them about their properties, things like that, you know, building, building trust with these cold contacts, as you might call them. So yeah, it, it's definitely helped for me to be able to communicate better and not be scared to reach out to people. I mean, that's one of the scariest things about some of these aspects of finding deals in real estate is the unknown about it and fear of having someone reject you or saying no or getting mad and saying choice things that you'd rather not hear. So, yeah, that you, you might have heard, you probably heard a lot of things that we might not want to say uh, over the air here, I'm, I'm guessing during your, your time. So, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard a few things. It's yeah. been, but for the most part, I think people are kind and, and understanding, especially if you portray that to them, you know, even now when I do cold calling or contact people that are leads or whatever, it, it still helps to come in with an attitude of, of help and of, of uh, just overall care, you know, just wanting to be there to, to make it a, a win-win for everybody. Yeah. We, we kind of, with our, Within our company, we kind of just call it value add. We just try to just have a mindset of value add. So whether we can actually Absolutely. get that deal or or not, we just try to add value. So even if it's not doesn't work for us or we don't work for them, if we can just add a little value, uh, then hopefully the next person that calls or door knocks, uh, they're a little more receptive. That person and it's just more of a win win. So you you've done some duplex, you've done a lot of single family, some developments what's kind of your favorite? What are you seeing as opportunities in the most creative sectors of real estate right now to, to add some value? Well, actually, I've primarily been focused on storage the last few years. Uh, we developed a storage facility here in my hometown in Utah. And I've also recently purchased one out of state a few months ago that we're doing value add to. It was severely mismanaged and 
hadn't had a website, no online presence, nothing. So, you know, there, there's a ton of value add on that project. For yeah, the most I mean, part, storage, I mean, as of the last few years, but I mean, I'm still flipping homes. I'm still looking in and purchasing multifamily. So, you know, right. the, the things that you guys focus on too, we're doing. Right. Multifamily. Tell us, tell us some about what you've learned just being involved with the people at the Utah Real Estate Investors Association. And then I think you've even been able to do some some coaching with Robert Kiyosaki and, and Carlton Sheets. So can you take us into what you've learned and what you've experienced with other people that might benefit our listeners through all of those associations? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've always been a person who likes to give back. The first couple of years of investing were actually pretty good for me. We went from zero to 20 units in less than three years. And I thought that was pretty good at the time. Yeah. I know someone can buy a 30 unit in a matter of one deal and be beyond that. But I mean, for, for us, it was a pretty big deal. So I was able to parlay that experience. And, and I started hosting uh, Robert Kiyosaki cash flow game night, monthly games through his system that he had back in the early 2000s. And uh, through that, they asked me to come coach for them at the, their facility. So from 04 to 09, I was actually uh, a rich dad real estate coach. I worked with people all over the country. And after I got a little too busy with some other projects in 09, I, I took a step back. I went from half time to quarter time to I just didn't have the time. So uh, after doing that, I, I ended up uh, a few years later starting the Utaria. And uh, it's been a blessing for us as well as a lot of people thanked us for, for starting that organization. I mean, it provides a very low cost way for people to get into and educate themselves in the various aspects of real estate. So, you know, the, the RIAs for me were, were one of the best ways for me to get started. You recently had on another guest, Jeff Rappaport, who was actually a founder of a local RIA, the Salt Lake RIA that uh, I attended early on and, and really got traction and worked with. So, when I found out there wasn't a national area chapter here in Utah, let alone not a, an organization called the Utah area, I, I kind of jumped at an opportunity to put those things together and, and uh, try to help other people. So, you know, even to this day, I, I get monthly and, and weekly calls and texts and emails from new members asking, you know, how, how can I get started? And, and so I'm, I'm just here to help if I can point them in whichever direction, whether if it's wholesaling to Jeff or if it's to getting interested in multifamily, point them to your guys' direction, other people. So with storage, I have a little bit more help or flipping. But So one thing that I want to find out a little bit more from you on is just the self-storage. There's a couple of questions that I have uh, for you. One of them is just why, why self-storage in the first place? And then I want that to be followed with why develop self-storage instead of just buying self-storage that's already there? Well, so to answer the first part of your question, why self-storage? I feel like it's a undervalued industry right now, honestly. Um, it is awakening. There are a lot of big companies that do it. But it, people don't realize that us smaller investors can actually get in and, and, and do quite well. It, it's similar in apartments in that your commercial investment with the multiple tenants that uh, allow you to break up your uh, liability a little bit and and gives you a lot of the same benefit. The thing I like most about it, <laughs> to be honest, is that if I have to kick a tenant out, I don't have to wait 
60 to 90 days sometimes they can just go put a lock on their door and sell all their stuff if they don't pay up so i mean that sounds a little harsh but it, in a way it's actually a little bit nicer for me because i i'm a little soft-hearted so it always makes me sad when i have to evict a tenant from a an apartment or something like that and i know there's ways around that but to me it just it make it's it's not as hard for me to, to ask someone to leave as if it were their you know place or like with the self self storage exactly and and so why develop them why not just go and buy one that's already ready to go well i'm i'm actually fine either way and we've done one of each so far it it really just depends on the cost uh, a lot of people when they've put in the effort to develop and, and build up a clientele in a storage unit, their, their asking price reflects that, right? If, if they're already at 90% plus occupancy, they're going to ask for an optimal cap rate and try to get top dollar for the facility where a lot of times you can develop it for a fraction of that cost, especially if you're willing to put in the effort to, to get it from zero to full occupancy. I mean, uh, in the time it took us for us to develop a, our first one, um, you know, we, we started off from zero occupancy. It took some time, about a year and a half, almost two years to get it to where it was at maximum and optimal occupancy. And, you know, you're, you're putting all the ads online, you're doing all the, the local advertising, meeting with people, getting word out, Facebook, LinkedIn. I mean, there's, there's just a myriad of things that you're doing to, to build something from the ground up. Whereas, you know, something that's existing Ideally, especially if you're paying top dollar, you're you're walking into something that's already turnkey. But you know, there's also value add there that can be had. I, I mentioned earlier that we bought one out of state that had been managed very poorly, and we've uh, just started that process of of bringing it back online. I mean, you, I've listened to several of your podcasts, and you guys have done the same with with apartments, and it you know it can be a really good thing. What specifically did you do on that property that was out of state, the self-storage unit for value add that helped it to increase money? And how how has that worked out for you? Well, we're still pretty early in the process, but you know, having done it from the beginning with a newly developed facility, we're, we're applying a lot of the same things. So this facility had never had an online presence. They've never had signage. They've I mean, their gate was still being opened manually daily by the the local manager. You know, they'd open it at 7 a.m. and close it at 7 p.m. So we're, we're just trying to bring technology to where it's at now and apply it to that facility. So, I mean, and, and on top of that, uh, really fix up a lot of the dilapidated things that were happening. We've ordered over 50 new doors for the facility and it's just taking time. I mean, they had units that hadn't been emptied for three or four years <laughs> just now going back in and emptying. So, I mean, it, it's crazy that some of the things you'll find as I've seen storage units that were completely abandoned, just dilapidated and abandoned. So you'd be surprised how much something that's obviously valuable and, and could be fixed is, uh, you know, so Change, where is this property, Jeff? What city it's in is Oklahoma. it? Oklahoma. What part? Uh, it's in Yukon, Oklahoma, just out of Oklahoma City. 
Okay. Um, and for that property, <laughs> for that for that property in Oklahoma that you're switching out like 50 doors, I thought you said 50. Yeah. So what else? What else are you doing? Were, what else? Uh, what else are you doing to that, or was is in the pro forma since you haven't done some of it? It's still new, I think. It's you said. Right. What so else the first are you thing, doing specifically uh, that's going to add value to the property? And uh, what's your pro forma? So the first thing that we did, and that's been completed, was the automatic gate. So people will get assigned a, a code that they can access access the property twenty four hours rather than just twelve hours a day. And uh, we're we're now open seven days a week as opposed to only five. So just just that alone has been significant. Uh, building a website, we have a website now that where they didn't have it before. Google profile, LinkedIn page, Facebook page. So just establishing an online presence. I mentioned the doors. I mean, replacing all those doors that have been broken or or just weren't up to par for what they should have been. You know, some of them were actually hollow doors that you could stick your foot through without much effort. So, you know, just making it more secure that way, uploading a security camera system that was so par and and getting that online. And believe it or not, just having a computer generated uh, management software system, they were still doing things with ledgers. I mean, she would, she would keep track of, of things that were due just on ledgers. So, I mean, it, it's just literally taking practices that were state of the art 30 years ago and, and bringing those into the 21st century. So for these things, these are the six things that you've done so far. What else is on your list? So that, that's the primary part of the list. Once, once those things are all accomplished, we'll then start doing a, more of a push for online advertising, put more of a push to do some Google AdWords and some, some Facebook pages, uh, pushing the Facebook page a little bit more through some Facebook ads. So those two things, I think, will drive a lot of traffic to our, our site. It, it's kind of counterproductive to do a lot of that until we've actually implemented our, our uh, ideas. But uh, What was the purchase price? So we got it for 515, 515000 it's a 283 unit facility. 283 for 515. Uh, quick question on the loan. Did you get a non-recourse loan or is it a recourse loan? We actually paid cash to begin with. Okay. And our plan is to once we've got it uh, back online, done the value add, we're going to refinance it and pull our cash out. So we're, we're hoping to do a non-recourse loan at that point. Okay. And the cash, is that is that your cash? Is that a syndicated cash? Is that a hard money lender? How, how, did, uh, how did you It came through. So we didn't do a syndication. That This one actually came through a, a wholesaler and their, their timing was pretty strict. I mean, we had less than a week to put it together and close. So we were scrambling just to do some due diligence and make sure that things were what they were saying they were. And so where we, did you get the in, capital? It came from investment partners, capital partners. So it was a joint venture. Like a JV. Oh, so, got it. Got yep. it. Got it. And how, how did you move that much money in a week? That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty difficult. I'm just getting, I was able to raise capital between two other partners so the the two partners that I have on the still were able to bring the money to the table. So. And so five hundred fifteen thousand. Your goal is to do a cash out refi. You right. came with all cash in the beginning with the JV. What is the expected and projected value when you refinance it? 
Well, projected at an eight cap in that area, it'll be about one and a half million. 1.5 million. So how much do you think that is to be able to pull out? Like, it seems like you'd probably be able to pull out like a million bucks. And if we wanted to, yeah. Our, our long term is actually to hang on to it and cash flow. Uh, okay. we, we're not looking to, uh, to resell per se, but it's, it's certainly an option we'll consider. We can parlay that into a property closer to us if we want, but you know, the way that things are now with technology, I don't think we'll have to do that. Well, what was the NOI when you bought it? Was it, was it like a negative NOI back then or? Uh, well, yeah, it, it, it is still paying itself. I mean, between the management and everything that we're doing, it, it's paying for itself, but it's only at about 40, 45% occupancy. Right now, checked. Correct. Yeah. So a lot of that's due to the units that still need to be emptied out. And some of that's due to just the dilapidated nature that we can't even rent out some of the units because they're not secure. So, and it it does take, unfortunately, a little bit longer than sometimes we'd even like to, to order some of these things that require are required to, to get it back to where we need it to be, to, to be able to rent it. But, you know, part of that being the, this whole fun virus thing we went we've been going through too, but yeah, between those two things, you know, we're, we're hoping within six months we'll be at ideal occupancy again. Well, let's do this. Let's uh, jump into the final five. We will do that right in a second, but first a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the creative real estate podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. And I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. We're back with Jeff. We're going to jump right in to the final five. Jeff, what's the most creative real estate deal you've been involved in? And tell us about that creativity. Yeah, so I, I was able to purchase a uh, 13, well, actually, at one point it had been 21 units, but by the time I got it, it was 14. It was an apartment complex in a city just north of me. Uh, I was able to buy it on seller finance. Uh, man, I could go into that deal for a long time, but I'll, I'll try to keep the cliff notes short. Um, basically, it had a fire. The current owner had gotten it back in receivership because they had loaned money on it to a company that had had all their assets seized by the IRS or the government FCC, I think. And so I was able to get in contact with that owner who had absolutely no desire to own it. And I was able to basically pull no money out of my own pocket. I I put $60,000 down of someone else's money. Um, The the owner financed the rest at 5% interest with a five-year balloon I was able to uh, take that and uh, and purchase it for two hundred fifty thousand. We put about eighty thousand dollars into it over time, and then we sold it for about six hundred seventy-five thousand two years later. So, you know, it was my first six-figure long-term flip as I talk about it, and really, it funded itself, and all the money I put into it came from it. So, you know, it was just kind of like a little little seed I planted that turned into a pretty big blossoming tree later on so it's probably my favorite one 
six figures is always a home run, no matter where you yeah. are in the real estate uh, career. If you're just starting or you, you're way down the road, six figures is six figures. That's a solid number right there. You can, yeah. you can do a lot of good with it and buy some, a lot more real estate with it. So, and that's what I did. So, I, yeah. There you go. Uh, you can get more creative with the follow-up. Uh, so right. book, what's, what's a book that you like to read or listen to on audible or like to share with others? Yeah. So the, my, my favorite book to share, I mean, I, I have to name two, I, I'll keep it short, but rich dad, poor dad, and the richest man in Babylon, they, they both go hand in hand. I mean, my favorite out of those two is probably the richest man in Babylon. It tells a story, but all the, all the morals of that story are just so great. Like I actually plan on listening to that again here shortly. I have not audible. So definitely check that one out. We de- definitely will. I know Adam's, Adam is a fan. So yes, I like them both. <laughs> yeah. Both great books. All right. Five, five years specifically. What's one thing you think the market will be doing in five years or look like, and where will you be in five years? Well, in five years, I, I expect to actually be even more uh, involved in, in storage. My goal this year was to purchase two to three facilities and we've already acquired one. Um, trying to identify that second one already. Uh, so my, me in five years will hopefully be 10 to 15 facilities across the U S or, or locally, um, having some ownership at some level. And, and I'm also working on a, on another project in that area of, of real estate that should help. And, and as far as the market, I mean, even if we are going into a recession where there's still no actual proof, uh, I mean, it's still a little early to say that we're on a, in a full-on recession. I know employment rates, unemployment rates are high, but with with this whole virus thing kind of looking like it's coming to an end, I think people get back to work. And at least here in the state of Utah, I don't think it'll affect much long-term as far as the real estate industry is concerned. Uh, as a real real estate broker, we're still seeing things selling rather quickly if they're priced correctly. And so I, I don't think that's going to affect, but who has a crystal ball, right? I mean, who can, who can honestly predict exactly where we'll be at in five years? But I, I think we're still going to see, at least in my market and in, in those markets that are prepared, a uh, continual uptick for the next five years. I mean, with the way the economy is, and, and a lot of it will be affected by the election and how long it does take people to get back to work. But, you know, Whatever it is, if we're up or down, I think there's ways to poise yourself to make take advantage of those things. So if people have money to spend, you know, put it into your syndications, like you guys do so well with. And if if they don't, then take advantage of buying some deals at the time. You know, some deals that are under value. Work out a deal with the owner for seller finance, right? For sure. Get creative. Yep. Create a real estate podcast right there for exactly. you. What's your favorite way that you like to add value to the real estate community and give back uh, to the community that's given a lot to you? I just like to be there for people to help them. I mean, I, one of my favorite things is to be involved in Facebook. We've got a couple of Facebook groups that we run in conjunction with our RIA. So when people jump on Facebook and they're like, I'm going to type in Utah real estate or you know, real estate investment or some of the first people they find. You know, I'm, I'm the one that's typically answering their questions. If it's a message to the RIA through Facebook or if it's posting in the group. I'll, I mean, yesterday I had two people contact me that were really looking into getting into wholesaling. And, you know, I, I send them, send them different directions depending on what they're trying to do. 
I mentioned one of them that I'm looking for someone who'd be willing to help me make cold calls and identify potential sellers of, of storage unit facilities. And they're all about it. And we're going to have a call tomorrow. So, you know, if, if the, someone has a deal or, or something that they're having a hard time, you know, putting the pieces together, you know, I'd, I'd love to step in and help out that person or, you know, just anything like that, you know, really try to help new people and, and even experienced people uh, with whatever they're struggling with. Cause I, I feel like one of my strengths is being able to look at a situation and, and come up with some other ideas that they may not have thought of using creative ideas. You know, Carlton Sheets was probably the innovator of that. And that, you know, I've, I've taken what he's done and, and added to it over the years with other things I've learned. So it's been good. That's great. Last question for you. It's going to be a tough one. <laughs> What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Super simple email, phone number. What's the best way? Yeah, I think email is probably the best. I mean, my phone, sometimes I'm not on it all the time. So uh, my email is just pretty easy. It's my first initial, middle initial, last name at, at Yahoo, G-W, Deering, D-E-A-R-I-N-G, at yahoo.com. So I'll- Awesome. And we'll make sure those are in the show notes along with uh, the book and other information. Probably even we'll throw in a link to the Utah uh, Real Estate Association. Yeah, utahrea.org would be great. So we'll we'll get that in there as well. Great. And and Adam's been gracious to come speak for us before and we're hoping to have him again soon. Thank you. I'd, I'd love to come. I I have a lot of family in Utah. So anytime I have an opportunity... I actually met one of your old uh, high school classmates. Uh, oh, Melissa. yeah. Uh, let me see. I don't remember um, her maiden name, but it's uh, Melissa Singleton now. I don't know. We're mutual friends on Facebook, supposedly. So let me see if I can. I would have to, I'd have to double check to, to make sure, but Melissa Singleton already sounds familiar. But yeah, yeah, good old Davis oh, High. Rob, Robison, Melissa Robison. Okay, okay. It probably was Singleton because that sounds more familiar yeah. to me. Okay. All right, well, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much uh, for coming mm-hmm. on, sharing all those details about self-storage. It's something my, my stepdad, I grew up with self-storage, but I always wanted to ignore it. But now, these days, I'm starting to kind of look a little bit more into it. I appreciate you coming on. We're going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.